Serving the people of the Hudson Valley, St. Luke's Cornwall Hospital proudly presents another edition of Doc Talk. Here's Melanie Cole. Turning the clock forward or back for daylight savings time is always difficult, especially if you have children. Losing an hour in the spring can leave you feeling so tired. While that extra hour in the fall can be like, woohoo, yeah, we get this extra hour to sleep. But it really plays havoc with your body. And today, my guest is Dr. Anita Bola. She's the medical director of the St. Luke's Cornwall Hospital Sleep Center. Dr. Bola, give us a little lesson in normal sleep patterns first, and then we'll talk about how daylight savings really affects them. Hi, Melanie. So, um, in terms of normal sleep patterns, as we know that um, we're programmed to sleep each night, um, and sleep is considered a means of restoring our bodies and our minds, and this was uh, once considered to be a passive state, but now we know that our brain can actually be more active during certain periods of sleep uh, than we're awake. Now, our sleep patterns uh, are normally um, controlled by uh, two interacting systems, and this explains why under normal conditions we are typically awake during the day and we sleep during the night. And these two systems are the following. There's the internal biological clock, which is housed in the suprachiasmatic nucleus in our brain, and the other system is called the sleep-wake homeostatic drive. Um, so sleep patterns can be affected by a number of factors, including your age and how much sleep you've gotten or how awake you've been and a bunch of environmental factors. Uh, but one of the most important external factors that controls our sleep pattern is exposure to light. And this does so uh, either directly by making it difficult for us to fall asleep when we're exposed to light or indirectly by influencing the timing of our internal clock. Um, and, and therefore, it also affects our preferred time to sleep. Um, of course, we know that you know people have different types of sleep patterns. Some people are night owls. Some are morning larks. Um, some folks get the sleep that they want and feel uh, to feel productive the next day. And others are chronically sleep deprived. So in terms of your next question, which is how does daylight saving time affect uh, sleep patterns. Well, as you know, this daylight saving time was implemented over a hundred years ago, and the idea was to maximize um, our daylight waking hours. Um, and the idea was that shifting our clocks to adjust to the uh, adjust the length of the day would add extra hours uh, of daylight during the summer season. Hence, it's also called or summertime. And this is as opposed to um, uh, standard time, which occurs in fall. Um, now, contrary to popular belief, it used to be thought that American farmers, um, you know, uh, wanted to have this daylight saving time so that they could have more time in the fields, but we know that that's not true. And daylight saving time actually officially came into place sometime during World War II uh, with the idea of saving uh, energy. And there are about seven, 70 countries or so around the world that practice this. Um, and the United States, uh, barring Hawaii and Arizona, all other states do use um, uh, daylight savings time. Now, this coming weekend, which is um, um, Sunday, March 10th, uh, at 2 o'clock in the morning will mark the beginning of daylight saving time and the end of standard time. So um, what happens during daylight saving time is that we move our clock forward by an hour um, at this designated weekend in spring, which sort of changes from year to year. 
but it's more or less sometime in March. And hence, it's called spring forward. And this is as opposed to fall back when we move our clocks back an hour um, in fall to mark the end of daylight saving time and the return to standard time. Um, now, the way our, our sleep pattern is impacted with daylight saving time is that when we wake up on Sunday morning and our clock has changed at 2 o'clock in the morning, we would have lost an hour of precious sleep. And this can affect your circadian and your sleep patterns and also cause our internal clocks to become out of sync. And even though it seems like a small one-hour shift in the sleep cycle, it can actually affect your sleep pattern for up to, up to a week or so. Wow. Great information. Dr. Bola, you're such a great educator. You explain everything so very clearly. Which is tougher on our bodies, falling back or springing forward? Well, it was. it is thought that spring, springing forward is tougher on our bodies than falling back because we're losing an hour of sleep as opposed to gaining an hour of sleep in fall. Although I will say that a number of people don't take advantage of gaining that hour of sleep in fall. However, in spring, we're losing an hour, and that's why this is tougher on our bodies. So it can, um, you know, you can feel groggy, and this can have a serious impact on your mood, um, on your motor skills, on your appetite, and even on your heart. There's been some studies in the American Journal of Cardiology and in some Swedish journals which have shown that on the Sunday marking daylight savings time, uh, there has been a slight increase in the number of heart attacks. Um, there's also We also know that traffic accidents increase uh, during this time. And um, that both, whether you're a morning lark or a night owl, uh, you adjust better to the time change in fall, but you don't adjust well to the time change in spring. And in fact, the population that is hit the hardest by this one-hour loss of sleep in spring are people who are night owls, in other words, who, sleep, who have delayed sleep times, um, individuals who are sleep-deprived. Um, in other words, those who get less than six hours of sleep will be hit pretty hard. Uh, those who don't have a regular sleep-wake schedule um, as well as patients who have uh, sleep disorders can be hit hard. And in fact, I have some patients that are, let's say, in jobs uh, that involve public safety, like Metro North or bus drivers, and I caution them that uh, they, they really have to be careful with this um, uh, time change. Then let's talk about some of the things that we can do. And, and I, Dr. Bola, am one of those people that definitely takes advantage of that extra hour in the fall. Boy, I sure do love that. And that makes Saturday night. But I don't know that that's always, you know, sometimes people think that they get that extra hour to stay up later. And that doesn't really make sense. But I'd like you to tell us what you would like us to do before this happens, before daylight savings time before the time change, and then ways that we can adjust once it happens. And certainly, tell us about our kids, because I remember when my kids were little, I would like mess around with the clock just to get them to go to bed at the same time and try and right. get them to get that extra hour. So give us your best advice. How can we adjust to all of this? Before we go into daylight savings time, um, what you can do is you can start dimming your lights earlier this week leading up to the time change um, and try to go to bed about 15 minutes earlier every night starting about four nights before, which would pretty much be um, today, which is Wednesday. Um, and um, so if you, if you actually put yourself in bed 15 minutes earlier, 
uh, every day. Uh, by the time you reach uh, the weekend, uh, hopefully uh, this will ease you into the change and make the transition less abrupt, um, and you'll be well adjusted. Because if you try to sleep an hour earlier, uh, just the night before, which is Saturday night, that may cause difficulties falling asleep because it's not so easy to fool your your internal body clock. So, so trying to go to bed 15 minutes earlier every night leading up to um, daylight savings time, which is on Sunday, is very helpful. Um, otherwise, uh, this uh, last hour of sleep can be very difficult when you get up on Monday morning, especially for those who have to go to school and who have to go to work. And as I mentioned, it's important for teens to make this change because especially if they're driving themselves to uh, school, as I mentioned, there are a lot of car accidents that happen around daylight savings time. And it usually will take about a week or so to normalize, but sometimes it can take up to two weeks to make the transition. And if this post-time change groggy, if this grogginess continues for more than two weeks, you should consider consulting a sleep specialist. Now, some of the things that you can do to adjust after daylight savings time happens, which is Sunday morning onwards, is if possible, go and spend at least an hour outside in the sunlight on Sunday to help adjust your body clock to the time change because light is a great um, um, means of advancing your body clock. Also, try and take a short nap on Sunday uh, if, if need be, uh, but a short nap, not a long one, so you feel more rested on Monday morning. Uh, go to bed at your normal time on Sunday night um, however, if you have the ability to get up a few minutes late on Monday morning without being late for work, give yourself those extra f- a few minutes and, and grab a cup of coffee. Um, you know, on Monday morning, try and sit near the sunlight so that, again, you're advancing your uh, internal body clock. And most important, when you're driving um, um, to work next week, remember the sunrise will occur an hour later, and it may, take, it may still be dark for a few days in the morning. Um, So there's going to be a lot of sleep-deprived drivers out there on the road, so just be very careful. Um, Now, in terms of um, children, how do you adjust children? Well, if you have an infant or a a toddler, um, you can try cutting their nap time um, by about a third or so this week and even over the weekend to prepare them for an early bedtime. You can use blackout shades for your children's bedroom. Uh, to fool them into thinking that it's time to go to bed. You can change the clock, as you mentioned. So these are some of the things that we can do um, to adjust uh, kids to um, this new time. And and also trying and getting them out every day for an hour really does help um, so that they're exposed to sunlight. What great information. Dr. Bola, you are just such an excellent guest, as always, giving us real workable, usable advice for what we're going through in our daily lives and how important sleep is and quality sleep. Wrap it up for us. Give us your best advice about adjusting to the time changes that we go through and how they affect our body. Assess your sleep situation and how, you know, it's possible that during the course of the year, um, you've been using a lot of electronics close to bedtime and you're drifting more and more towards a later and later bedtime during the course of winter. And you may be finding yourself more and more sleep deprived. So this is a good time um, with the time change to assess uh, your sleep situation and what changes you can make and also how, how your sleep situation is affecting your life and your health, your relationships, your productivity, your, you know, your ability to drive your car safely. Um, so this is a time to, to set your intention uh, by first making sure that you're getting enough sleep. Enough sleep would be seven to nine hours for adults and at least eight to ten hours 
for uh, uh, for for teens, um, because if you're short on sleep, this will make you less alert and um, impair your memory and put strain on your relationships. And there, we know that it increases accident proneness and also comorbidities such as high blood pressure and diabetes. So first and foremost, make sure you're getting enough sleep. The second thing is you can also reset your sleep habits as well as your body clock by just following good sleep hygiene tips. Make sure that you have a, a, a good bedside, bedtime routine. Go to bed and get up at the same time, um, even on weekends. Um, you should have a, a, a um, wind-down period at night, maybe read a book, um, other relaxing activities, or take a warm bath. Um, shut off electronic devices at least an hour before bedtime. This is really important. I cannot even emphasize this enough, um, how this plays havoc with our sleep in today's age. Um, also, don't expose yourself to bright light uh, when it's dark. So if you have to get up to go to the bathroom, just install a little night light in your bathroom so you don't have to turn the light on in the middle of the night. Um, keep your bedroom cool, dark, and, and, and quiet, and, and use a good mattress. Uh, try and expose yourself to natural light during the day as much as possible. Um, exercise uh, regularly, but not not close to bedtime. You need to keep your core body temperature on the cooler side when you're trying to uh, go to bed. Um, avoid heavy meals close to bedtime. Um, also avoid caffeine and alcohol late in the day because these can interfere with sleep. Um, avoid nicotine at all times, but especially close to bedtime. And if you're stressed out, um, try and make a worry list and and deal with it during the day, and then just give yourself permission to relax at night and go to bed. Um, so if you try making these changes now to improve your sleep, um, you can increase the odds that your body will be well prepared when it's time to turn the clock um, either back or forward. And on, a, on a, another note, I just want to mention that the National Sleep Foundation has this week-long campaign. It's called the Sleep Awareness Week, and this year it begins immediately after Daylight Savings Time, so it's from March 10th to the 16th, and if you go on the National Sleep Foundation website, you will find a whole host of information um, on this website uh, uh, to educate you on um, sleep issues, uh, which I highly encourage everybody to read. It is great information. Dr. Bola, as always, really just such important information to pe for people to hear and things that they might not even realize when they hear you say these things, that these are changes, little changes that we can make. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your expertise. This is Doc Talk presented by St. Luke's Cornwall Hospital. For more information, please visit stlukescornwallhospital.org. That's stlukescornwallhospital.org. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for tuning in.